Guys, welcome to the I Love Seville show. This is the Monday edition of the program. It is Monday, January 8th. Thank you kindly for joining us on the talk show live wherever you get your social media. Today's show, dynamic. Take a look at the screen for the headlines, the talking points that we considered for today's program. But you, the viewer and listener, can shape the show and help determine where we are going to go with the conversation. The show is dynamic in that regard. It's long-form content that cannot be taken out of context, and we truly enjoy connecting with you guys through this network. Judah Wickhauer, the director and producer, you will see his face and hear his commentary in a matter of moments. Dylan's Rule on Twitter, welcome to the show. Ginny Hu, welcome to the show. John Blair, welcome to the show on LinkedIn, live on 15 Facebook pages and across social media. I want to highlight Keith Smith's integrity. Keith Smith, the star of Real Talk with Keith Smith, lost a bet. He had Natalie Ostrin winning uh, or being appointed or being voted by council, the mayor of the city. Judah Wickhauer had Michael Payne. Last week we showed Judah Wickhauer paying his bet with the bottle of Johnny Walker Black, age 12 years. If you want to grab that bottle over there, J-Dubs, I would, I would love to show it. I had Juan Diego Wade winning, mayor of Charlottesville. Keith Smith had um, Natalie Oshrin. What am I grabbing? Judah Wickhauer had Michael Payne, the bottle of Johnny Walker Black, age 12 years. Um, Keith Smith, we bet a bottle of booze, a 750 milliliter, $50 or below. I think both gentlemen went over $50. Here's Judas, the Johnny Walker Black. Nice. It is caveated that you will enjoy it at the same time that I'm enjoying it. So really, you win. Yeah. Despite losing the, paying for the bottle, you still win. The Johnny Walker Black right here. Fantastic brown juice. And Keith Smith just paid his portion of the prop bet. Have you heard, Judah, why don't we go to a two-shot? Have we heard this one? This was just dropped off moments ago from Keith Smith, the pick Natalie Ostrin. Uh, of course, Juan Diego Way, the winner. It's called Tarnished Truth. This is aged, uh, this is a very experienced bottle, a very mature bottle hmm. with its three years of age, Keith Smith. Three years. Um, Tarnished Truth, a high-rise straight bourbon whiskey, um, is now being added to the bar. The bar's getting quite full over there. Yeah. We are going to now have a top shelf and a bottom shelf to the I Love Seville Network studio bar. Um, Excited to enjoy that. Thank you, Keith Smith, for watching the program. Judah, a bit disappointed we didn't get the snow yesterday. You're going to call me a curmudgeon. Saturday. Or Saturday, excuse me. Thank you. Thank you, Judah. You're going to call me a curmudgeon. Um, and Mike Signer, the former mayor of Charlottesville, got a lot of grief about snow days on Twitter, on X. Hmm. Uh, he still gets heckled by the uh, Gillikin gang on his take on snow days. Mike Signer does. What was, what was his take on snow days? I mean, days? he was just throwing shade on snow days when it came to public schools and... Schools canceling, uh, public schools canceling school and saying what a waste of uh, educational opportunities for children. That they shouldn't cancel school, they shouldn't get, give kids an opportunity to potentially play in a dusting or a light snow. They should get them in the classroom learning. The Gillikin gang hammered him for that. I think I'd hammer him for it too. <laughs> you don't have children though. No, but I remember loving a good snow day. As a child. Yeah. The challenge is as a parent of what to do with your kids during the week. Happy New Year to you as well. Good to see you. The challenge is what to do with your kids Monday through Friday during the week when there is no school because of a dusting or because there is no school because of a fatal snow forecast, a snowcast gone awry that never materialized when you are working parents. So are we only talking about dustings? I mean, the dusting and the kid get, and school getting canceled for a dusting would irk and cause the ire of a lot of parents. Because then they're changing their schedule altogether when it comes to school and I their think, work schedule. I think that's fair. Yeah, that, that's what Signer essentially argued. But Central Virginia is notorious for... Uh, for being very hard to uh, uh, to predict how exactly the weather is going to go. Of course, the mountains. As Saturday is a clear indicator. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, ultimately the safety of the kids is the most important thing. 
And so if it's unclear what the weather's going to be like and you're worried about parents driving in the snow with their kids to school or, or uh, buses driving kids to, to school through the snow, um, I think it's better to be on the safe side. I did, know, I did read Todd Rath. He's a, a respected viewer and listener of this fine and fair talk show. Todd Rath, are you watching the program now? Todd Raft did post on his Facebook page, um, he's the owner of Blue Toad Heart Cider, that the weather forecast calling, I mean, the Apple weather app called for like 12 inches of snow. I know. It was bananas. Yeah. It was the discrepancy between what Apple called for and what we actually had was a foot delta. They missed by a foot. It was miles apart. Miles apart. And Todd Rath highlighted on Facebook, I saw, the owner of Blue Toad Heart Cider on Route 150 Fun, that the weather forecast, the one that was completely incorrect, was damning for weekend business. No doubt. Significantly damaged the business or impacted negatively the business to 151. Yeah. So it's important to understand the impact these forecasts, perhaps some sensationalized, have on a small business owner. And I would not characterize the climate or the economic environment, the conditions for economic success for the small business on Market Street, which is right in front of our studio, West Main Street, Preston Avenue, Route 29, um, downtown Belmont, Pantops, as one that is thriving right now. Philip Dow of Scottsville, right. welcome to the show. Business is struggling especially in the first quarter after many of their customers spent their money uh, around the holiday season and now are licking their wounds with credit card debt. So this is historically a slow period of time. So any headwinds at all, including missed or poor forecasts, are impacting those on Main Street. And we'll put it in Mm -hmm. perspective today. The first few headlines on today's show, if we go on a one-shot, and then I'll weave you back in. Speak to the struggles of the small business owner on Market Street, on Harris Street, on Grady Avenue, on Main Street, on High Street. Gas station and convenience store owners have formed lobbying groups where they're now politicking or lobbying to bring the gas station slot machines back to their respective businesses. Judah and I will play devil's advocate for the sake of a talk show on whether slot machines should be permitted again in your favorite convenience store or gas station. We all have gone into our favorite gas station or convenience store and seen folks almost like video crack glued to screens pumping income, disposable dollars, into machines for slim chances of winning. The unfortunate nature of these machines is they often are exploiting or targeting those on the financial margin with perhaps not the most with perhaps not the most robust educational profile to understand how little opportunity they have to win. We'll talk about should slot machines return to gas stations, and we'll give you the who, what, when, where, why of what's happening with a fantastic article that showed up, Judah, on Virginia Mercury. Fantastic uh, statewide website. I also want to talk Red Robin closing in uh, Fashion Square. We heard from Deep Throat over the weekend that Elva Coffee and Dairy Market is, in fact, closed. Remember, last week, we broke the news of Dairy Market And the Milkman's Bar becoming a coffee bar in the morning. And obviously its current form, a booze bar in the afternoon and evening. I asked the question on last week's show, is this an indication that Elva Coffee is now closed? I alluded that I thought it was the case, although I had not stepped foot in Dairy Market. I did notice on last week's show that Elva Coffee was off the Dairy Market website. Friend of the program, saw him on Sunday... Deep Throat confirmed that Elva Coffee is in fact closed in Dairy Market. We also should celebrate and champion the opening of the uh, 434 uh, restaurant. I should know what this is called. I should get the man's exact restaurant name correct. 
He celebrated his grand opening on Sunday. I am doing a quick Google search so I can pay the gentleman his due. The brand is, oh man, is it not on the dairy market? Eat page? Hmm. 434 restaurant, dairy market. Let's see here. Quick Google search. 434th Street is what it's called. 434th Street. Um, Judah, it opened to what I've heard, long lines inside dairy market. So the question I'm going to pose to you and ask of you, the viewer and listener, um, Andre Xavier also confirms the weather forecast impacted Route 231, unfortunately. Hmm. He's the owner of Patch Brewery, co-owner with John Gregg. Folks won't come out if there is snow in the forecast, sadly. So, this is what I want to highlight to the viewers and listeners. We'll weave you in on a two-shot, Judah. Convenience stores and gas station owners, in particular the ones that are mom-and-pop convenience stores and gas station owners... We're not talking the Wawa's of the world. Yeah. We're not talking the sheets of the world. Nor are we talking about locally owned giant Tiger Fuel. Right. We're talking about individual onesies and twosies, maybe threesies, convenience store owners are begging. Yeah. Begging statewide politicians to return slot machines to their respective businesses, to allow them to return. Mm -hmm. They're saying they're an incredible draw. Legislators are saying they target and exploit families and individuals on the financial margin that may not have the educational profile to understand how slim the odds of winning are. We're going to compound that, and I'll get out of your way. Hypocritical much? What's that? Hypocritical much? Because you're going to allude to the lottery, right? Yeah, I mean it's an obvious, it's an obvious argument. That's a fair argument. It's a very good argument, and I think you're going to make a convincing argument. I'll try to take the counter side. Also, another indicator of the vulnerability of Market, Maine, Preston, Harris, Rio streets in Charlottesville is the closing of a lot of businesses that we've seen of late. Hmm. Many of those closings we've broken here on this talk show. Just off the top of my head, I'm going to rattle a few off. Anna's closed. Fry Spring Station closed. Red Robin is closing. Elva and Dairy Market. We've seen a number of turnover in Dairy Market. Angelique's a good example that's turned over in Dairy Market. Headwinds are obviously out there. So I want to make, have this conversation to lead the show. You pro-slots. Explain why. I think a better question is why not. I mean, as we've already pointed out, <clears throat> the state allows, the state probably, uh, not just allows, but promotes the lottery for their own. I mean, you know, obviously some of that money goes towards, uh, towards schools, but... I mean, come on. It, it, how, how is there any difference between one and the other? Um, and what's more, I think, it's, I think it's been very rough on a lot of these businesses that there hasn't been a, um, there hasn't been a, uh, a firm, you know, you can or can't do this. Um, as, the, uh, as the article goes into detail, um, there's been a back and forth and a back and forth and a back and forth. And you can imagine some of these businesses getting a bit of whiplash and uh, wondering, you know, wondering if uh, something that's been helping to keep them afloat is going to be taken away or allowed or taken away or allowed. And I'm sure some of, I'm sure most of them would like a, uh, a firm answer one way or the other. Um, and obviously they're going to fight for, the answer that makes them money. I also think that, uh, you know, Charlottesville and the surrounding area, I would, I'd assume the surrounding area are looking for more ways to, to bring in tax dollars. And this seems like, uh, an easy win in that regard. 
Warrior AG watching the program. Can we get his photo on screen? Albert Graves, Warrior AG. He says, gambling is gambling. If it's legal in game rooms like Rosie's and other establishments that are controlled by the state, it should be legal in local small business owner stores as well. Yeah. He says, gambling, gambling, and gambling is dumb. There's a reason Vegas keeps growing. You're never a winner. Yeah. Thank you, Ginny, for the compliment on the uh, jacket. We appreciate your kind words. Warrior AG says slot machines and gas stations are no different than the lottery. That's what yeah. Judah said. You can even play the, sl- the same slot machines in Vir- that Virginia outlawed, outlawed in stores on the Virginia Lottery website. This is so hypocritical. No I'm going to retweet I Judas. I didn't know about that. I What's that? I think that's a great point. I wasn't even aware of that. I mean, that's nuts. You can spend your money with us, but not with, uh, but not with a small business. Do we get uh, Albert Graves on screen? You want me to get him on again? Yeah, get him on now. I mean, he's, he's backing your argument there. Look, here, here's the beef I have. Viewers and listeners, let us know your thoughts here. They literally, this is what startled me out of the Virginia Mercury article first. And Deep Throat is uh, giving me a, uh, the exact name of the restaurant that had its grand opening in Dairy Market, 434th Street Kitchen. 434th Street Kitchen. And the word on the street is it opened to very strong reviews. Nice. Um, Janice Boyce Trevilian says, my problem with small businesses as they close so often or vary their hours so much. For example, Crobies is closing as well. Crobies is closing. Um, mm-hmm. It's gotten attention in the newspaper. Um, it's gotten attention with social media posts that have gone viral. I think more information to come um, without releasing too many details. Um, yours, yours truly has knowledge that will come out but cannot speak on that now. Um, Blue Ridge Country Store, for example. I don't know if you saw this on Reddit. Blue Ridge Country Store has been um, having some, um, how would I characterize it, unpredictable hours. Hmm. Evidently, it had unpredictable hours last week. It was closed much of last week. It's closed today. And there's no sign on the door on when it will reopen. I'm not saying it's closing permanently. I'm just saying the hours are unpredictable. Yeah. The small business owner is often tied to its labor pool, and the labor pool is throttled and tight right now. So I empathize for anyone that's running a business that's tied to labor. The mindset of frontline workers post-COVID, I had this conversation with my wife last night, the mindset of frontline workers post-COVID is very different than what it once was. And this is where Judah jumps in, he often goes to bat for the frontline worker and says, of course, the mindset has changed. Yeah. The cost of living locally has increased dramatically to the point where they can't afford frontline workers to live locally. And why make the commute 30 minutes from Waynesboro, 45 minutes from Buckingham, where there is potentially affordability to work a job that's potentially in the grand scheme of things paying $12, $13, $14 an hour? I think we also lost a lot of people to that industry, not just in uh, COVID um, deaths, but also in people that said, well, look, you can't just tell me to stay at home and beg the government for money that's not forthcoming and not expect me to find some other way to put food on the table. Fair, fair comment right there. I've also heard that some restaurants locally, I'm not going to name any, are um, now insisting that uh, tip money, cash money tip money, be included in the course over the course of a two-week paycheck. Hmm. So the tip money now, I mean, previously, anyone who's waited tables, past, past few years, decade plus, I waited tables while at the University of Virginia at Ruby Tuesdays, for example, you always claimed your credit card tips, cash tips, not so much. I, I claim them, anyone who's watching, I claim them. Not everyone claimed cash tips. Now I'm hearing through the grapevine that any cash tips at some locations are being put in the reported pool regardless hmm. and are now being paid in a tip capacity with a two-week paycheck. So there is, there is not the instant gratification of cash after a shift. 
Furthermore, furthermore, and I'll let you jump in anytime you want. Furthermore, how many people are actually tipping with cash now anyway? Who often, if any, has cash on their person? Frankly speaking, when we go out, it's always a credit card tip from us. So the instant gratification is not usually there anyway. Go ahead, Judah. I definitely see uh, a lot of people, a lot more people tipping with credit cards. I'm not sure how you would regulate cash tips, even as a restaurant owner. I mean, like, uh, do they have somebody that runs to any table where a cash tip it can be visibly seen and grab them? And mark I mean, them down. There's cameras before. all over locations in restaurants. Yeah, but are you really going to go? If you through... see on your credit card slip that there was no, there was nothing put on the tip line when you're checking out after your shift, as a shift manager or a general manager or a restaurant owner, you have to ask yourself, oh, did this person do so poorly they did not get tip? And if the answer is no to that, they perform good service, then you would imagine that if there's no money on the tip line that they got a cash tip of some capacity. But does that mean going back through, uh, through... Well, how about a tip pool, for example? When all front of the house staff pulls tips and works out of the same pot together, then a front of the house manager or a general manager or an owner can see the tips because it's a tip pooling environment. Yeah. Tip pooling environment then could be allocated to the front of the house staff in a two-week paycheck, which then marginalizes or diminishes the gratification of instant cash following a shift. That also, would I would imagine cut into what an individual server would make if they're having to share all their tips with the uh, front of house. I mean, I, I am of the argument that the back of the house of a restaurant should get a piece of the front of the house action as well. Okay. The back uh, a restaurant is only as good as its front of the house and back of the house working in unison. And a lot of people don't realize this. The back of the house in popular locations can make far inferior, inferior wages than the front of the house. I feel like, I feel like a lot of that is... And they're standing behind a line that's over 100 degrees. I feel like a lot of that is by design. And the back of the house doesn't get the, uh, the, lower, uh, the lower hourly, do they? I'm sorry? The, no, their hourly rate is higher than the front of the house. Yeah, I mean, I. But when you total tip, the front of no, the house can I, make more. I know, I understand that. Uh, but it's just a, I don't know, the whole thing is a mess. And I think it's a hard, uh, it, it, it would be tough. It's got to be tough to, to make a decision on that, um, especially when you have one group of people that by law is making far less until you add in the tips. Bill McChesney watching the program. Let's get his photo on screen. Bill McChesney is uh, number 15 in the family. He says, tip in cash. He always tips in cash. Carly Wagner watching the screen. She's highly ranked in the family, number three in the poll. Get Carly Wagner's photo on screen if we can. She says, when I was a server, you got both cash and credit tips the day you left. That's what I remember as well, Carly. You settled up at the end of the night and walked out with cash. I heard now many restaurants do not even have sufficient cash on site to even give them their tips that day. I have heard that as well, Carly. Mm -hmm. Carly also says, busboys, food runners, hosts, service uh, bartenders generally get tip out, certain percentage of sales, not tips. But cooks are paid better hourly and not tipped out as well. That's what I remember as well. Bill McChesney says, I went to a restaurant recently that added an 18% service charge on the bottom of three slips of paper I got for my credit card. I cut my cash tip because I felt it was mandatory to tip on my bill. My dad had that problem when we all went out to dinner over Christmas, uh, over the, the Christmas week. Set the stage. What happened? You don't have to necessarily name the restaurant unless you feel so inclined. No, um, it doesn't really matter. It was just, uh, <clears throat> it was five of us and my niece who's two and a half. Apparently she counts as a sixth person. So Oof. the restaurant automatically added the 18% tip, which is not a big deal. I mean, my, my dad and, and I think everyone in my family generally tips over 20%. Anyways. I do. I do as well. So that's not the problem. The problem is if you're not expecting it, my dad added like a 20% tip to the total and then went back and fortunately saw the 18% and asked about it. And they said, well, with six people, we automatically, he's like, we only have five people. And then one of my sisters said, no, we've got our niece. That's six people. But did your, 
So then he had so then he had to go back and obviously take money. I I don't remember how. Did he scratch it out? Yeah, he probably scratched it out, and I think he ended up just leaving an extra, you know, two or three percent in cash. Uh, But still, if he hadn't noticed it at the time, he might have ended up tipping quite a bit more than he intended to. Oh, John, and might, uh, have, and might not have realized it ever. Um, Warrior AG says tip money for pizza delivery drivers has taken a huge dip in Crozet. Hmm. Does that mean that pe- less people are tipping? I think that means less are, people are tipping. Or people are tipping less on, on individual runs. Yeah, that's a question, uh, Albert Grace, for you. Are less people tipping? Are people tipping less on individual runs? It's a very good question. Your thoughts on that? Um, Ginny Hu says, I purposefully try to have cash on hand if I'm eating out so I can use that for the check plus tip. Hmm. Albert Graves says, the back of the house makes triple of what the waiters make. That's in some circumstances. That is not in all circumstances. And and that's before tips. And that's before tips. Before tips. Absolutely. Before tips. And the back of the house is standing in a kitchen where it's over 100 degrees. And the front of the house is only as good as a back of the house working in conjunction with the front of the house. The front of the house is going to suffer from a tip standpoint if the food comes out an hour after ordering or is served cold or is served incorrectly. It's a team effort. That's why the tip pool has appeal. That's fair. but It incentivizes harmonious work. I think the whole thing is complicated by the fact that... uh, they don't have a choice in how they're paid. It's not like you can pick one or the other. It's, it's law, isn't it? Well, I think the, the future of much front-of-the-house staff, whether we want to admit this or not, is a future of pickup windows and, and digital ordering, kiosk ordering, and less front-of-the-house staff. The need for back-of-the-house is always going to be there because someone's got to make and prepare the food. But the front-of-the-house staff, you can see it's already happening. It's already happening. Check out Blue Moon Diner. Already happening. Where the front of the house labor pool is being uh, small business owners are trying to, even chains are trying to deprioritize. John Blair has this for us on the um, gas station slot machines. How do you and Judah feel if we could get John Blair's photo on screen, number two in the family? We'll get to Deep Throat's photo on screen here in a matter of moments too. Deep Throat number one in the family. Uh, Deep Throat, my wife said this yesterday, that she very much enjoys hearing your comments on the show, says you make the show better. She also highlighted yesterday uh, John Blair by name, Carly Wagner by name, Ginny by name, James Watson by name, Vanessa Parkhill by name, Carol, Kevin, Sarah, Kate, just to name a few. What we're trying to do, you, you the viewer and listener, are the star of the show. Judah and I are the... Conduct, conductors, and you, the viewer and listener, are the talent of the show playing the music, and we're just here to organize the talent and help them perform. Um, John says this. Are you ready for this, Judah? How do you and Judah feel about making this a local option for gas station slot machines? Skill games are called. Instead of the state determining this question, localities should have a referendum option for these slot machines. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Let the people decide. I, I love that idea. I always want, and it stinks because we're in a Dillon, Dillon rule state, I always want the autonomy to be at the local level. Yeah. I would always have, rather have uh, uh, Mayor Wade, Vice Mayor Pinkston, Judah, Mayor Wade. What is it? Oh, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Ma- Mayor Wade. Yeah. Mayor Wade. Um, Vice Mayor uh, Pinkston, Councilor Snook, Payne, and Ashran to determine what happens in the city. And on that note, Donna Price on tomorrow's show, former chairwoman of the Admiral County Board of Supervisors on tomorrow's program, and Wally Walker, one of the greatest basketball players in Virginia men's basketball history, is on the Jerry and Jerry show at 10.15 a.m. tomorrow. He is in part going to lead the charge of NIL revenue, name, image, likeness, revenue, and how to make it a reality or a deeper reality for Virginia sports. Wally Walker, 10.15, down to price, 12.30 tomorrow. Um, I would love if it was a localized referendum. The reality is, do you think that Charlottesville voters would vote in favor of gas station slot machines. 
I would say no. Probably would you not? not? Uh, times they are changing. You're probably right. Now, if you incentivize it somehow, gas station slot machines are allowed for Buford school reconfiguration or right. sidewalks or bike lanes. Or if you put it in terms of would you rather have higher property tax or would you rather have skill games that we can tax? There's, there you go. We are, are we going to admit this? James Watson has this comment. Let's get James Watson's photo on screen. James Watson, a key member of this family, number five in the power poll, James Watson. The one, I met James Watson when he was a bartender at Orbit. I ponied up to the bar. James, I won't say how old I was, my friend. I ponied up to the bar while he was a bartender at Orbit, and we shot the you-know-what-about-UVA sports, and at that point I realized this guy's the man. He knows UVA sports as well as I do, hmm. and we both know him quite well. Um, he says there was a time when being a bartender was the fastest cash you could make without an advanced degree or trade skill in the Charlottesville area. I'm not even sure if bartenders make the kind of money that we were making 15 years ago, sadly. He means now. I'm not even sure if bartenders now make the kind of money that we were making 15 years ago, which is sad. I will mention this live on air. James, I think you make a fantastic point. 15 years ago, a lot of that tip money was cash. I'm not speaking for anyone. I'm just throwing this out there. A lot of that tip money was cash, and it was not reported. Now that tip money is on credit cards, and you can not not report it. And on top of that, the business on the corner is not what it used to be. Right. When I was in school at UVA from 2000 to 2004, it was a boozing population of heavy drinking on the corner. You speak to any of the barkeeps or any of the restaurant owners on the corner, and they say the times have completely changed. The times have completely changed when it comes to Patrons on the corner. I'm going to get to Neil Williamson. Neil Williamson's watching the program right now, the president of the Free Enterprise Forum. Support the Free Enterprise Forum. Read the Free Enterprise Forum. Neil's fantastic. Neil is number 28 in the power poll, Judah, if we can get his comments on screen. He says, um, the Dillon's rule limits government and protects citizens from localized swings in government control. Excuse me. He says specifically, the Dillon rule limits local government and protects citizens from localized swings in government control. That's fair. Although yeah, we but, don't see a whole lot of that in Charlotte. I was just going to say that. Well said. We don't, say that again for Sally in the back there, Judah. We don't see a whole lot of... Uh, localized swings no. in Charlottesville. Nor do we see it in Almora. We don't see any. Where do we see Let's any see. local swings when it comes to politics in central Virginia? Hmm. Do we see any ideological, say the word for me? Ideological. Political swings in central Virginia? Uh, not that I'm aware of. Although uh, we do have a, uh, uh, an independent hopeful taking up uh, space on the Charlottesville downtown mall now. Oh, get that information out there. Robert Kennedy, right? Yeah. Have you seen Robert Kennedy without his shirt on? No, should I? Well, I mean, it's on social media. There's viral videos of him bench pressing. The guy is jacked. Wow. He is jacked. The former Seville Weekly headquarters is now the campaign headquarters for Robert Kennedy. Yep. Covered in uh, campaign signs. uh, I think it's safe to say that the city, however, is a Biden stronghold. Yeah, there are apparently a lot of people angry, um, including people from his family who are also Biden supporters. Uh, but I think uh, for the rest of us, um, I don't see a downside in a strong independent candidate uh, as a viable choice to the, uh, the binary awfulness that we otherwise are subjected to. One of the smartest things Judah Wickhauer said on this show, 1,000% agree with you. You knew I would a thousand percent agree with you. I've said multiple times on this program the need for a third party in 2023, 2024 America is is a greater need than ever before. Yeah, we are electing caricatures. We are electing laughing stocks, and we don't have a choice. And we don't have a choice. We are electing the extremes of parties. I'm. I'm. I know that there. I know we that don't there have are a choice. A lot of people that uh, that 
do want to vote for Biden. And I know that there are a lot of people that do want to vote for Trump. But come on, does anybody really take those people seriously? Not yet. No. I mean, let's go to Deep Throat, his photo on screen. Number one in the family. The gas station business is weird. The gas has become a loss leader. He's exactly right. They are not making money on the gas. They are not making money on the gas. He says, Deep Throat says, the gas station is, be- is weird. The gas becomes a loss leader. They get you in, and then they have to make actual money by selling you unhealthy garbage. Per capita, gas sales in the United States have been in decline for 40 years, and it will only accelerate with electric car adoption. Deep Throat also says, in some states, the laws on tips are crazy about not allowing non-customer interacting employees to participate in tip pools. It's literally illegal in California. I did not know that. Did you hear that? Yeah. In some states, the laws on tips are crazy about not allowing non-consumer interacting employees to participate in tip pools. That means back of the house. Yeah. That means anybody that's not a host or a server is not allowed bartender. to take any of the tips. Yeah. yeah. Bartender. Bus boy, bus gal. Um, awesome. And you have crazy stuff like, what about a... Benny Hanna, hibachi chef, and this stuff gets litigated. It's crazy. Hmm. Um, he also says, on the cash-first credit card tips, as you know, my family is in the taxi fleet business in New York City. The garage used to be swimming in cash as drivers would come in with gobs of cash, hand off the garage, garage's share to the garage cashier. Literally a Brinks truck coming in every day. Now everybody pays by app or card. Now the Brinks truck comes and brings cash to the garage <laughs> because the drivers want to get cash out on card receipts instantly. They want the instant gratification. Yeah. It's such a dynamic shift of what's happening. Mm-hmm. Carly Wagner said she paid her way through college by waiting tables. Where'd you work, Carly? Where'd you work? Um, Curious. Curiosity. For me, it was Ruby Tuesday's Barracks Road. Being a server, she says, literally put me through college debt-free. I worked Friday and Saturday night only and was paying all tuition, books, rent, $1,200 a month, and all expenses. Damn, Carly, you made some money then. Where did you work? Only working Friday and Saturday night? Out of curiosity, I would love to know that. For me, uh, paying my way was Ruby Tuesdays, uh, running a sports book, and shooting pool is, is my way. Uh, Neil Williamson said, Virginia is larger than Central Virginia, guys. Loudoun County elects their supervisors at the same time, and they have political swings. Fair enough. Fair enough. Know. President of the Free Enterprise Forum, Neil Williamson. We, we respect that. Philip Dow, let's get his photo on screen. Philip Dow's the king of Scottsville. He is currently number 19 in the poll. He says, I love, love, love Deep Throat's picture. (laughs) And he says, come to Scottsville and you will see a big political swing compared to Charlottesville. I'm not saying, I, I understand that Scottsville, the town of Scottsville, has different politics than Charlottesville. But the town of Scottsville is more inclined to vote red for instance, if you, were, if you were to run for Almore County Board of Supervisors in the Scottsville District, there's three voting precincts, three primary voting precincts. The town of Scottsville that votes red or right or conservative. The Glenmore neighborhood, roughly 950 homes and roughly 1,500 to 1,800 voters. That is more centered hmm. or middle of the aisle. And the Mill Creek precinct that is very left-leaning or Democrat-leaning because it has the same ideology of the city of Charlottesville because Mill Creek is basically the city of Charlottesville. It's in the urban ring right over the city-county line. Town of Scottsville I know is conservative, but let's cut to the chase. It's conservative consistently. So those aren't the political swings that we were alluding to earlier. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Okay. I would totally be down if a, rend- if a referendum would happen locally or referendums. Another example of a referendum would be, I think many in the city of Charlottesville would vote to raise the sales tax, say a cent or a cent and a half, if that cent or cent and a half increase was allocated to city schools or City capital improvement tied to city schools. 
Hmm. If the funds were earmarked specifically for something like that, people would vote to raise the sales tax, I have no doubt. Um, but will that ever happen? I don't see that really, really ever happening. Um, what my beef with the gas station slot machines is this. And your argument's a convincing one, because the beef I have with the gas station slot machines would apply to the beef I would have potentially with the lottery, the Virginia lottery. The gas station slot machines prey, they're piranhas, on folks that are on the financial margin. Yeah. That may not have the educational profile of, of realizing that skill games, air quotes, still mean the chances of victory are slim to none. Yeah. And if you walk into any of your favorite convenience stores or gas stations, it's often the same folks playing. Um, it's, it's a very uh, prey on a consumer type of concept, like the payday loans business. Yeah. Familiar with the payday loans business? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's bad news bears. Yeah. I mean, uh, our whole system is based on it, – our. It's, it's not like uh, any of this is, <clears throat> is new or, uh, or novel to our, to our American system of living. I mean, take a look at uh, what people need to do, <coughs> aside from uh, some who make pretty good money on Friday and Saturday evenings. Uh, no, Carl, but, uh, amazing. But anybody that has had to take a loan out to go to college knows what a, uh, how do I phrase this? Uh, you might as well be, you might as well be putting your money in the lottery because you probably have a better chance of coming out with something positive um no no depends on what you're majoring in and your degree is in I don't and the difference is I the don't difference is, is you get to choose the field of education that you're studying and paying for I, know. I feel less bad for someone who goes a quarter million dollars in debt and majors in music history yeah i, I was or someone really... that's pumping a quarter million dollars into the lottery I wasn't or skill games. I wasn't trying to. Uh, I wasn't trying to denigrate anyone's choice in uh, in college major. I was really more trying to illustrate the fact that uh, there's not a whole lot different between a payday loan and taking out a loan to go to college. Mm. You end. You end up with. I disagree with that. Well, I think more and more uh, that's becoming true. I mean, think about it. It used to be that you could get out with, you know, what, a loan that you could pay off in, uh, in, I mean, every year it get, it takes longer to pay off your loans. Uh, that you, the schools are keep raising their prices, and eventually you get to the point where I think we're at or close to at now where somebody can take out enough loans that there really is little chance they're going to pay them off before they die. Am I wrong? I mean, depends every, on the field of education. Yeah, and also depends on... on but if someone chooses to pursue a, a history or a, a music appreciation major or a major in the classics or art history, you know, some majors are destined to never be paid back. Yeah. Other majors, if you're coming out of a quarter million dollars in debt, but that happens to be a concentration in finance from the McIntyre School of Business, you have a pretty good chance of paying that off fairly quickly. I got a buddy that I play squash with that's got two years of Darden that he has to finance at 7% interest rate. But the fact that they're giving those options to 17, 18, 19-year-olds is, I feel... Prey and piranha-like? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a better, that's a more convincing how is a, argument. How is a 17 or 18-year-old supposed to weigh the benefits of going for a history major and possibly ending up with, you know... 40, 50, 60 years of, of debt. That's a fair, that's a fair response. You, my hope is, my hope ideally is the parents would advise. Your counterargument to that is not everyone has a stable parental situation at home to offer said counsel. And even if they do have a stable parental, for uh, example, whatever, can, you should their, their parents might not be informed enough to, to help them make that decision. I have a 145 that's close to our studio here. So we're, we've got to be mindful on time here. Can we say what you majored in? 
Mm, yeah, I started off at USC. Southern California. Taking a double major in computer science and computer engineering. Uh, was not the... Uh, Which would have been an incredible major, double major. Possibly, yeah. Be, um, I was wanting to get into computer graphics. I felt like I was, I was poorly led by the, um, uh, by the uh, advisors at USC. Uh, eventually took a couple years off, went to Savannah College of Art and Design. One of the best design schools in the, in the world, Savannah College of Art and Design, SCAD. I don't know about the best. SCAD is uh, phenomenal. Okay, it's good. It's phenomenal. And then you majored in SCAD and what? Uh, I started off in computer graphics and then uh, switched to painting. Painting, computer graphics, computer engineering, finishing painting. painting. Yeah. Painting is a challenging major, you would say. I, I, was, I was unhappy with, uh, with the scope of, of what, I, what I ended up taking there. But... Um, but yeah, uh, painting is less, uh, it, it's not a, a major that you're going to come out of and jump into a, immediately into a high-paying job. I mean, what you got to do is die and cut your ear off to make some money. And I hope you don't Van, die or, Van, or nor cut your ear off. Van Gogh never made any money. Did he not make any money post-death? Uh, not sure how that works. But The estate? <laughs> but I'm sure the estate... Probably has made so money, but I don't know. So you can die and cut your ear off and leave the money to lies of the dog or your niece in California. Yeah, don't possibly. do that. Though. Don't do that. Though. <laughs> we we appreciate you on the I Love Seville show very much. I mean, but you did make that choice. Yeah, you did make that choice, and at that point, you were well past the age of seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, and still didn't have a good idea of uh, what was the best choice for me to make couple of items out of the notebook. Um, I guess the point where, this is the thesis of how we're starting the program, okay? It's so vulnerable out there for Main Street and Market Street and Preston and High Street and Rio and Pantops for the locally owned businesses that you're seeing restaurants and businesses close. You're seeing inconsistent hours due to staffing. You're seeing convenience store and gas station owners, the locally owned onesies and twosies and threesies, begging legislators to allow gambling machines because they're making no money on gas and they just need to get people in their doors so they buy the Twinkies and the Ho-Hos and the sodas, the malt liquor, the cigarettes, the 40s for Edward 40 Hands. You ever played Edward 40 40 Hands? I never have. You get two 40s, you tape them to each of your hands and you cannot untape them until the 40s are done. Don't do that unless you're of a legal drinking age. Wow. You duct tape them. Edward I would Forty say hands. don't do that anyways. I work 40 hands. Um, uh, Albert Graves says the hard rock bat is targeting our uh, Twitter uh, stream right now because we have gambling in our um, content. The That's hard, interesting. The what? The hard rock bat app is hmm. targeting our Twitter content. Hmm. Interesting. Philip Dow says there are many options to pay for college, like grants, and a lot of people don't think of. I was lucky to work for a company that believed in me and paid 80% of my education. When I graduated from UVA, I was debt-free. Nice. Very nicely done, Philip. Congratulations. Um, I've highlighted this a few times on the program. I want to highlight it again. Mortgage rates are falling from October in 2023, the most expensive time in American history to purchase a home. The, the least affordable time in American history to purchase a home was October of 2023. From a price standpoint and an interest rate standpoint, hmm. you've seen rates now fall nearly two points depending on your credit score. I'll say this once, I'll say it again, and I'll say it to I'm blue in the face. I expect the next six to 12 months potentially as rates are being cut to be a buying bonanza. You'll see more buyers enter the pool. You'll see inventory go quickly and you'll see it become a very competitive landscape. Mm -hmm. More competitive than it's been in a long time. Rates are falling. I also want to highlight Antoine Brinson's new book. You brought this to my attention, Judah. Yeah. I think this is great. Um, He's, 
I can't believe nobody's thought of this uh, before now. Uh, he's got a new book coming out called uh, uh, Cast Iron Cooking for Dummies. Brilliant. Yeah. Antoine Britson is a talented virtuoso. A talented virtuoso. Um, he trains folks to get ready to be placed in restaurants. I need to get this book. You're going to buy that book? I might. Uh, I've got a cast iron pan that just eludes me. Like I cannot get the I cannot get the seasoning right on it, and it's constantly uh, constantly having things stick to it. <clears throat> it's very uh, very disheartening. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're disheartened. <laughs> okay, Antoine Brinson's book for Judah Wickhauer. Um, quickly, Donna Price on tomorrow's show. 1230, all things Albemarle County. You're not going to want to miss this. She's now officially retired. On the Jerry and Jerry show at 1015 a.m., we talk with Wally Walker, who's going to lead the NIL charge. 1015, Wally Walker, one of the greatest basketball players in Virginia men's basketball history. And speaking of basketball, the Wahoos got pounded by NC State and Raleigh. They have Wake Forest on the docket in Winston-Salem, Saturday, 2 o'clock, ESPN2. The Wahoos got to be very careful right now. They do not want to play themselves out of the NCAA tournament in January. You cannot necessarily play yourself into the NCAA tournament in January, but you can play yourself out of the NCAA tournament in January. They have a number of blowout losses on their, rec- on their resume. The ability to win on the road for this men's basketball team, a young men's basketball team, seems to be a struggle. We'll talk about that on the Jerry and Jerry Show. For Judah Wickhauer, who we hope he keeps his ears and stays six feet above ground and not below ground, my name is Jerry Miller, and this is... The Isle of Seville Show. Well done, Judah. So long, everybody. <laughs>